When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 163 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am once again joined by my co-host, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? Good. Good, good. Um, I think it's better that we have been recording a little bit later. <laughs> Because <laughs> we used to record really early. <laughs> I'm liking this later schedule that we're able to do because we're at home so much. Same. <laughs> um, we're actually recording this the day after we recorded um, episode 162. So we're not going to do a weekly geekery because you just heard our, our month's worth of geekery. Um, <laughs> you know, last week's episode. So we're just diving right in. This episode is going to be about all the crazy news that's going on in the geek world that we have not been covering because we have not been recording. Basically so, all the stuff that I've been dying to talk to Joe about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ray, take it away. Cause you, you were the one who, who got the ball rolling on this. So correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, because I know that, you know, although we really haven't been in much contact over the last several months, every now and then I will send you something just kind of yeah. like, what do you think about this? Or did you hear about this? Um, I think probably the thing that I was the most excited to talk to you about was the fact that we uh, are getting the Snyder cut, which it still sounds weird to me <laughs> to be like, saying that. You see, this is... Uh... I think we're going to watch, like, are you, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to watch the Snyder Cut. I mean, like, how can you not? Yeah, for, for, for multiple reasons that I want to get into with you today. But yes, I'm going to watch the Snyder Cut. And, and my, my prediction is that it is going to be no less weird or, or <laughs> it's not going to be better than the, the original. It's just going to be what it is and it's not i think people are gonna go okay that wasn't all that different than justice league or better yet wow 
that was worse than just <laughs> see this is where i feel like our our true natures come out because you're you're always the one who's sort of like you know tempering your expectations and i'm always the one who like just i get super excited and is like already like anticipating the the best possible outcome only to you know usually be disappointed later um, <laughs> but why, why why are you so excited about it because to me it's like I, I'm not. I've I have slowly become a not slight Snyder fan. Like right, you know, I find right. him very. Uh, he he is not my cup of tea. Yeah, and you know, same here. I mean, you know, a lot of people tout his his sort of his visual aesthetics of his movies and how they feel like a comic book and blah blah blah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of that, mm-hmm. but. Um, what I can appreciate about that goes usually goes away very quickly once I hear him open his mouth and say stuff, because um, he just seems kind of like a like a douchey bro, like edge lord kind of kind of guy, you know, just who gets to play in the in the geek sandbox. Um, that being said, uh, I do believe that he tries really hard to make the things that he makes. Like he works really hard. He really does try to put together the the best thing that, you know, in, in his taste or in his vision, he can put together. I don't think he takes any of this stuff lightly. I don't think he, um, you know, I don't think it's for a lack of passion about these stories, to be honest with you. So that, I think that for, for a lot of fans, a lot of comic book movie fans, that sort of in, like brings a lot of, um, goodwill mm-hmm. um and i think that with with the proper balance like when he's held in check by the by the right people i do think he's capable of of good things um and and what i point to is like for example i love man of steel mm-hmm. i know a lot of comic book fans don't like that superman movie i love that movie to this day um, it's kind of, and, I, and I've described it like this before. It's kind of like the Superman movie that always played in my head right, when I, right. you know, when I watched the old Donner movies or when I read Superman comics and I imagined a Superman movie, that's the movie that played in my head. And, um, I think one of the reasons why I liked that movie so much is because the Snyderisms <laughs> were, were sort of <laughs> held in check by, um, you know, by Nolan, by Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. Um, and by his other collaborators on that, on that film, uh, Goyer is another one. Goyer, I feel like when he's an element or an ingredient in something, it can be really good. But when he's sort of left to his own devices, such as the, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, it's just all bad, you know? (laughs) And when Snyder is left to his own devices, such as, um, what's that? Oh God. What's that movie called with the, with all the women, um, Sucker Punch? Oh God, it was so hard for me not to walk out of the theater when I went to see Sucker Punch. Oh really? I never, I've never seen it. So. Oh my God. It, for me, again, for me, it's just all the worst things about Snyder turned up to 11. So um, just like, yeah, I was kind of offended by that movie actually. But anyway, so, you know, I, I love Man of Steel. I don't, and we can have a whole freaking debate about, you know, what's good or bad about Man of Steel. That's a whole nother thing. But um. So one thing that sort of um, kept my interest in the whole Snyder Cut thing, because, you know, you and I, Joe, have talked a lot about it. And we talked about the segment of fandom that tends to be a fan of Snyder and 
and has been demanding the Snyder cut, right? Right. You want you want to talk about you want to touch about on that a little bit? <laughs> well, I mean, like they they do they they tend to be what we tend to, to refer to as the basement geeks, the the <laughs> ones that are, you know, the 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 neck beards, I guess. Yeah. Are the two most common adjectives to describe these fans, and they're not. <sighs> They're the vocal minority. <laughs> They're the vocal minority, and they often are the the the, the incels. There's a large yeah. incel proper um, yeah contingent in there. They're like they're people that we we very very much do not agree with in many respects of life. Yeah, the same. This kind of it, it feels like it's the same crowd that complained about an all women Ghostbusters movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said and acknowledged, (laughs) um, I also, you know, I love to watch YouTube film, you know, essays and stuff and I'll watch, I'll, I love you. I love film YouTube so much that I'll watch essays about movies that I don't even care for. Mm-hmm. I, I just love to, you know, take things apart and kind of look at the nuts and bolts of, of a thing and how it was made and envisioned and written and all of that. Um, so I've watched the fair share. Obviously, you know, I love the MCU stuff, but I watched the I've watched the fair share of like Zack Snyder's, you know, uh, Justice League, what it could have been like or what was the plan all along or, you know, how did Batman versus Superman go so wrong or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I love watching that stuff. And one of the things that I've noticed or that's come to light just from from exposing myself to those those opinions is that um he did have a very different plan from what was ended up on the screen for, for both Batman versus Superman and justice league for better or worse. Like you said, it very well could make it worse than what we saw. Um, but you know, Batman versus Superman was one of those movies that I was just severely disappointed by. Um, and I, and I kind of, you know, I wasn't expecting the best, but I was severely disappointed by that movie and having seen, I don't know if you've watched Joe, like, or heard of any of what was planned. Like there's a whole like Snyder cut of that, that actually exists. It's like uh-huh. a, it's like over three hours long that cut. Jesus. Yes, and while you know it does kind of heighten some of the things that we don't like about that movie. Um, there's a lot in there that actually explains and changes things that I didn't like about the theatrical cut. Okay, a lot actually. One of the one of the major ones that keeps coming up, and that for me changed. Like this is what I heard about that actually got me to watch the extended version of that. Um, so the whole thing in Batman versus Superman where Batman is branding criminals, <laughs> right? Right. That in, in the original iteration of the story, that's not him doing that. That's Lex Luthor doing that in order to give Superman sort of a bad idea of Batman. Oh, that's well, that a whole plot. Much more sense. Huge, yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Batman is still murdering people left and right in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the story again is is that um, this is just the way Man of Steel is like Superman learning how to be Superman. Like he's not a finished product in that movie, right? Um, Batman is evolving in Batman versus Superman. And, and part of his arc in that story was intended to be that he goes from like, he, he starts where he's lost his faith in humanity. And he's gone from this hopeful 
you know, vigilante figure to just this like brutal murderer, like Punisher type figure. Right. And by the end of Batman versus Superman, Superman has actually restored some of Batman's humanity back to him. And so he goes back to like his vow of like not killing people. So like, these are things that like would have been really cool to keep in the theatrical cut, you know? Um, but it was, it was cut way down. Now, you know, I think you could still criticize Snyder for, for not managing to fit those important things into a two hour movie, you know, right. <laughs> like why is it had to take three and a half hours to include those things, but still all of this is sort of, piqued my interest into like what would it have been like and you know to see um snyder's full vision i just think it's it's an interesting um it's kind of like a thought like a geek thought experiment almost um i also think that a lot of these stories are we're we're, you know we've sort of learned that television this extended storytelling format is a much better way for, for a lot of these stories to come to light yeah. as opposed to two hour movies. Um, this, this Snyder cut of justice league is going to be several hours long. It's not going to be like a three hour movie. It's going to be like four or five hours. Jeez. And so they're right. still, yeah. So they're still trying to figure out if it, is this a mini series then, you know, we just got a brilliant HBO Watchmen show that was 10 shows long, right? 10 episodes right. long, I think. Um, is this going to be something like that? You know what I mean? For those right. of you that, that, you know, um, have seen Russian doll, which I talked about in the last episode. Um, I, I, I've watched that show twice in it, that season twice in its entirety. And it's three and a half hours long in its entirety, but each episode is just under 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's, there's, there's all these different ways to tell these stories now in terms of like time and, and format. And I'm really interested to see how the Snyder cut gets released to to hbo max um you know because it's it's gonna be re- i mean we're really gonna get a deep dive into his right. vision and i've seen it described as a as a radical reimagining of the justice league and so on and so forth did you know green lantern was supposed to be in his original story no i didn't realize that yeah and like um steppenwolf is actually it, it's it's an uprising that he's leading against dark side on on apocalypse Hmm. and that spills over into earth and that's why he's here he's actually challenging dark side's rule on apocalypse and that's how dark side is in this movie as well so it's a big old thing and and it's 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 you know it's not like it just exists somewhere in a vault and they're gonna put it out warner brothers is an hbo is spending like over it started at 20 million dollars that they were putting into this to finish it all the all the visual effects and stuff then it got bumped up to 30 million dollars was the official figure and now the dude over at hbo that's that's in charge of this is saying he wishes it was only 30 million that it's going to be way more than that like (laughs) at what point do you go do do you say dude go go write fan fiction right (laughs) right let's move on like i mean I I I've got to say I'm intrigued. I'm I'm looking at this and going, okay. It will definitely be, as you said, an, a thought experiment. We'll be like, okay, I, I see what's going on here, mm-hmm. but I I don't know. I think I'm just so soured on on Snyder as a whole that I feel like this is gonna. I I, I will I doubt that this will change my opinion. I think he's right. just kind of gotten to the point where. I see this as something that's just going to make him think that 
the, you know, the, he never claims his mistakes. And I think this is, I think this is just going to kind of back that up. He's going to go, look how great it is. And it doesn't matter who's going, uh, not really. Let me, let me, let me bring this up as, as a, as a way of looking at the why of this, Joe. Okay. okay. If you're Warner brothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. How, Think of how much they've invested into Snyder at this point and his his take on the DC universe, right? Mm-hmm. Think about how, you know, they've had some severe missteps with Batman versus Superman and uh, and Justice League. And and yet think of the popularity of Wonder Woman and Aquaman, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think that this is their way of trying to salvage the Snyderverse. I think this is their way of saying if we can if we can write this if if we can use this momentum then we can we don't have to just ditch this entire universe that we've invested so much time, multiple films into this universe. Right? How how many hundreds of millions of dollars did they spend on each movie? Right? Yeah. If if they have to dish out 50 million dollars for us to get this Snyder cut and it goes over well, think of how much they've saved themselves. Think of how much, think of how, how huge of a do over they will be able to avoid. 50 million is nothing. Now, when you think about it that way, I, if, if we were in person, you would see my face and how I'm struggling <laughs> to come up with a response to this. That's not just negative. Um, <laughs> but it makes sense when you think about it that way though. It, it makes sense from their point of view, but I feel like they've proven that their point of view on how to do a a comic book universe tie-in movie type situation has not been good. It's like that episode with um with of The Simpsons where they're stuck camping. <laughs> and they you know what i'm talking about and he's trying to fix the he's trying to fix the pig homer's trying to, to bake the pig and he's like it's just a little uh it's just a little dirty it's still good it's still good it's just a little bit soggy it's still good it's, it's, a little it's still good it's still good and i feel like that's kind of what they do with these films it's yeah. like they don't, have response. They, they don't look at it realistically and i'm not saying they publicize this i'm saying they need to internally look at this and go this is not good. This plan did right. not work. And instead of continually dubbi- doubling down on it, right. sit down, wipe the board clean, <laughs> and say, how do we do this in a way that doesn't suck? And and I think that's my biggest problem with with Warner Brothers at this point and, and them doing the, the DC universe. Because it's like, you need to take a step back. You need to... Uh, you need to self-assess and say, why is this not working like Marvel? And I'm not right. saying that they have to do Marvel. Like, I think, I think that they could very, very comfortably start with a justice league movie and then splinter off into smaller movies. And it would be just fine. So like they don't have to follow the same formula, but they yeah. have to, they have to step back and try, like they're not going to catch up with Marvel. Marvel has become a whole thing of its own and it's, yeah. they're never going to reach that status. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So Marvel point, is the new star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So in this, in this point in time, take a step back, go, we've made a lot of mistakes, but there are a lot of good stories here. 
let's try to regroup and see what's going to make the most sense for our universe. And that's the one thing they don't do. And, and I, I it's you that. You don't inability. think that they're doing that? You don't think this is their version of doing that? No, because they're still doubling down on mistakes instead of going, okay, like, like it may be, it may be better than the last one, but I think, I think there's a lot of mistakes that they've made throughout. Like Su- Batman versus Superman was a mistake. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, yeah, they jumped the gun. Yeah. They tried to, they tried to take what Marvel did and shorten the timeline and they didn't sit down and invest the time in building the universe. And right. so at this point it's like you're, you're cobbling together. Well, like I said, it's, it's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. So this is starting to feel to me now like this, the, these cinematic comic book universes mm-hmm. are starting to feel to me now a lot like the comic book universes, especially DCs in that we're just getting multiple iterations of characters right. one after another. I mean, Spider-Man kind of, you know, <laughs> kicked that off, um, but um, it's like a new artist writer combo on a, on a book taking mm-hmm. over a book, right? And I think that audiences have sort of caught up to that. I think that audiences are are sort of not as put off with a reboot, you know? Um especially especially if they feel that that reboot is going to give is going to improve what they've been getting. Like we were excited about Spider-Man because we felt like it was going to be better than right. the previous right. two. We we were like we've seen this new Spider-Man, we like this new Spider-Man it will be better than what we've gotten before. The mistake is when you reboot it and it's either when, when you dark Phoenix it. Yeah. Well, what I'm getting at here, Joe, is that, you know, when Marvel decides to reboot um, or bring a new artist and writer onto the Hulk or onto guardians of the galaxy, they don't reboot their entire universe, right? Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. those rebooted characters are weaved into the existing universe. I think that's what we're seeing with DC now. They're rebooting Batman without still holding on to this iteration of Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Like what I'm seeing now, Joe, is that they don't have to start over from scratch. They can reboot on the fly. And I think audiences have sort of are up to speed on that now. Okay. I I can, I can get behind that. I, I, man, uh, I've been waiting so long to have this conversation with you, dude. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> well, it just like it just so to giddy. me again. It's like if you're not gonna it, have you ever because you're an artist. Have you ever worked on a painting and looked at it and went no, and then like or do you always dude, try all the, no all the time? Okay, <laughs> it's all the time, and, and you toss it right. You don't try and sit there and keep fixing it and fixing it and and not get anywhere with it, right? Oh, sorry. You're 100% wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. So, but so a lot so, of a lot of artists will will tell you and this is I'm, you know, I've been an artist for a long time, but this is a painting thing. This is a painter's thing where the the, the what you just described as the just hacking away at it and until, you know, until you you try to make it work. Mm-hmm. A lot of painters will tell you that is painting. Okay. What you see hanging on the wall is just a result of that. And I think we're at the point with media 
where it's it's not going to be this perfect, beautiful, you know, uh, uh, weeding, you know, just kind of like birth. You know what I mean? Like here, mm-hmm. just untouched and perfect from birth and fully formed. I think we're at the point with media now where it's it's not going to be like that anymore. There's like more, I don't want to say grace. It's like there's more tolerance for the messy bit to be on the screen as opposed to behind the scenes now. Mm, see, I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> agree. I, I think, I think, I mean, I, 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 I have learned something about art and your approach to it. So that's awesome. But <laughs> I feel like, I feel like if, they're getting grace for making big mistakes and then just trying to kind of hammer at it until it it gets done. That says more about the consumer than it does about. Oh, that's interesting. That's that. Yeah, that's valid. That's, that's basically us telling them it doesn't matter what shit you put out. We're going to buy it. And that's kind of what we're telling you. Well, but I mean, but we, we do that because we discuss it. Like if I didn't have a podcast, I probably wouldn't watch the Snyder cut. I would be like, this is not for me. I would probably stop the DC movies altogether. Yeah. Because to me, it's just like this, a, this is not my comic universe and B I'm not liking the product I get, but I think, I think it's become a perfectly fine deal to go and say, well, it wasn't great, but it's what it is, and then move on. And they're not being held to any sort of standard with what they're doing. Yeah, but and I think. Oh, go ahead. But with Marvel, Marvel has been like I don't. I get the feeling that Marvel's not just doing it for us, you know, and they're not just doing it for money. Yes, they are doing it for money, and yes, they do want us to have positive reactions to what they put out there. But they kind of set themselves up with this goal. And now that they've been able to achieve that goal, it's kind of like, you know, they, they, they've got, they, they're feeling like they have to one up themselves. So it's like that self competition of making sure that you're putting something out better and better. And I feel like the standard that they're putting out is higher than DC, which is just like, let's get something out there. They're going to see it anyway. Yeah. So I disagree with you about Marvel's motives. I think it's absolutely all about money. However, I think that because they were not exhibiting their greed from the start, I think that they built a tremendous amount of goodwill from the fans. And I think that now they can, they, they, they've earned the right to seek a balance between giving the audience something that they want, that's going to please them in order for them to make money and sort of, sticking to their storytelling guns and saying like, okay, we want to make you happy, but we also need to tell the story in the right way because that is what's ultimately going to make you happy and make us money. Right. The, the well, audience. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I totally believe that their first, <laughs> their first motivation. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm that delusional. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that, the audience is, is, I think you're right. I think the audience can be just as culpable <laughs> as the greedy, you know, execs and studios. You know, I think um, audiences are, are fickle and, um, you know, they can turn on you for, for you know, very quickly for, for reasons that you're not anticipating as a storyteller. Um, 
But I just think that, you know, Marvel has has found a way to locate its audience where they're trust me, Joe, if 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 the whole, you know, uh representation, you know, diversity of 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 character and storytelling, if if that didn't make it money, Marvel would not continue to do it. As as good as you know, as as Politically, as I am aligned with those things, if it didn't continue to make Marvel money, they would not keep doing it. Oh, no, I completely agree. So they've managed to find a way where they're pleasing a lot of groups of people, even the people that don't necessarily, you know, want to align themselves politically with with, with that sort of, you know, humanity and diversity, you know, right. um, they still love fucking Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Marvel has found a way to create this balance. DC has not. DC, I think, led with greed, and and so there's no goodwill other than from the incels. You know what I mean? Which is not mm-hmm. goodwill; it's bad will. Whatever. It's you know, um, right. I. But for me as a fan, I want every single geeky thing that I'm into to succeed. Right. So it's like uh, you know, I'm I'm part of the problem. You know, and then in this structure where. I'm going to support it just because it's made and I, and I'm interested to see it because I want it to be amazing. And so I'm going to go regardless. Um, I also, now I'm not going to continue. I'm going to talk shit about it. (laughs) If if it's, if it doesn't meet my expectations, I'm going to, you know, be openly critical about it. Uh, But I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt because it's going to serve me. Ultimately, if you finally get this thing, right, I'm, I'm the one who's going to be getting what I want. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I also just think it's fucking amazing that we're getting this. This is like, what an age we've said this so many times. What an age to be a fucking geek. Like, are you serious? Like where they released a movie and now they're going to release a, a, a second longer version of that same movie. That's insane. Like that, that blows my mind that this is happening. Yeah, no, it we've we've <laughs> we're we're smack dab in the middle of the geek golden age. We really are. Right. Imagine if like someone published a graphic novel and they and, and reviews were mixed and they said, "Okay, we're going to republish it a year later, <laughs> whatever." And it and we're just going to try it again. You know what? Do over. Just mm-hmm, okay, guys, mm-hmm. just do over. We're just going to do it. <laughs> like where is this going? Like in terms of like media and like, you know, creating something, maybe, you know what, Joe, maybe I'm thinking of it partially as a creator. Maybe. Maybe I'm going like, oh, like the rules are out the window here. Like I'm going to make a painting and then a year later I'm going to go, you know what? I could do a better version of that painting and I'm just going to paint it again. Yeah. And it would explain, it would explain the, the, the difference in opinion between the two of us, because for me, it's kind of like if I put a show up that I'm not terribly happy with or satisfied by, Mm -hmm. I kind of know what needed to get fixed. I kind of know what needed to, to be different, but Mm. the next time I do any show, it's not going to be this, you know what I mean? It's going to be different. And so it, I think it's a little bit more of that, moment in time and you can't recapture that so move on to the next thing yeah where your your media is 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 forever yeah <laughs> mine is not so maybe that's the big difference right you release a podcast and then you go you know what i'm gonna re-edit that podcast i'm gonna 
add in, I'm going to put in a bunch of stuff that, that I cut out in the first run and I'm going to call that person back and I'm going to just do an extended interview and I'm going to put that in there too. That's what the Snyder cut is. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> um, it, it's also, and I meant to tie this to what I was talking about in terms of Warner brothers budget and what they're spending and why, um, and why they're, they're they don't seem to be cutting their losses yet. Um, this is also a push for them to be, for them to be launching their streaming service. Mm-hmm. That's when this was announced. When they launched their the HBO Max, because you know, if if you were like me and you were a subscriber to HBO Go, and then be, after that HBO Now, those are gone. And now you have HBO Max, and that's the Warner Brothers HBO Cinemax and a bunch of other you know, um, uh groups or, or channels or whatever that's this is their streaming service this is their answer to disney plus and netflix and the day that that was launched was the day that snyder announced the standard cut that's coming next year so this is all tied to that oh yeah <laughs> definitely definitely oh i can't wait man as much as i hate it as much as i hated the theatrical release of batman vs superman i'm like yeah i hated it yeah give me more like <laughs> all right yes (laughs) well i mean i guess i guess it's the same like i i i did the same thing with the x-men franchise where i at at the point of dark phoenix i was just hate watching it yeah um so i i get it i do get it i guess it's i guess i'm not as invested in the dc universe so for me it's like if you're not going to give me good material then right right the real the real um the real collateral or, or the real capital these days is, is interest versus apathy. Mm-hmm. Apathy is the worst thing. You know, if you hate watch something or if you watch it out of feeling obligated because it's, it's a property you love and you just want hoping they get it right. But you know, you're probably not going to enjoy yourself, but you watch it anyway. That's still a, that's still a win for them. Right. You know, it, it's not giving a shit either way. The apathy is the real loss. Yeah. Um, something that I came across the other day that kind of surprised me. I don't know if I knew this or not already, but do you know Spider-Man 3? Like like the original trilogy, like Sam Raimi's trilogy. Spider-Man 3 made more money than both Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1. Oh, wow. That actually made the most money of those three movies. Wow. And yet, and yet they knew after that that they had to reboot. Wow. Right? That's Sony. Yeah. So Sony doesn't always get things right. We know that by now, (laughs) but they knew it somehow, even though that made them the most money, you would think that they would be like, okay, success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They knew it's like they learned from maybe they learned from uh, Batman forever and and Batman and Robin. Cause those movies kept making money, but you know, I think Batman, I think Batman forever made money and they didn't listen to the critical response. And then Batman and Robin came out and was a flop. Right. So maybe Sony was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> this is a, this made us a lot of money, but you know, if, if we don't listen to the critical response, that whatever you know, Spider Man Four is going to flop." So I don't know. I don't know if Warner Brothers would have done the same thing in that in that scenario. Well, we will see. It'll be an interesting. It'll be an ep- interesting episode. That is for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, Batman. Oh yeah. So speaking of right, we're getting. Uh, what are they calling it? Battenson <laughs> from Batflick to Battenson. I love that. I love that shit. I spend too much time on social media guys. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, this I again, here we go. I'm super excited, Joe. Please talk me down from my cloud nine. Talk me down to cloud six. What do you, I mean, is this on your radar at all? It's not been on my radar, but I'm, I'm definitely perfectly fine with it. And I, I'm, this makes me feel like, okay, maybe they're just going back to, I know they're not, but (laughs) it it makes me feel like they're going back to, we're going to release movies and we're hoping that they're going to be good. And we're not going to try and do this complex thing that we've just been terrible at up until now. Right. And so I, I see this as maybe a fresh start and I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to, to give it a watch. Um, You know, I'm not, I, I think this is a little bit more in the direction I want it to go. Instead of going in the Snyder direction, it's going like we're going to do something new, new, new actors, new take, and and see how, and see how it plays. And to me, that's that's the right strategy right now. Yeah. What's interesting to me about this is uh, this Matt Reeves Batman movie that we're getting called the Batman is that um, this is something that they were considering before we got Batfleck. Mm-hmm. Right. This this is someone that they were talking to about making a Batman movie. And actually, when Ben Affleck was signed on to play Bruce Wayne, um, Matt Reeves was the one that was writing the Batman movie or he was he, or, or sorry, Ben was writing it. And Matt was Matt Reeves was was going to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, but but originally, Matt Reeves had been pushing to make this sort of, you know, year two sort of detective noir Batman story and Warner brothers was considering it and ended up going the Snyder route. Um, so what we're getting here is like, this was the option. This was it's, it's again, it's like, they're going back to the fork in the road and saying, Oh, the, the, the path we chose was not ended up not working out. So we're just going to backtrack and we're going to go <laughs> down are, this they're running their company, like a, a two-year-old <laughs> adventure novel. <laughs> but I mean, does that, does that um, build disinterest from you? Like you want to see like a clear, correct answer from these companies, from these studios? No, I just don't want to see them doubling down on mistakes. Like okay. I don't like, like it's like, like dark Phoenix was very much that like we, we yeah. said on, on that episode, which honestly is one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. Um, <laughs> I very rarely go back and listen to that. <laughs> to, to our our episodes on my way down to Comic Con last year, I listened to our dark app. Uh, like I just, That's I was great. so angry about that that movie today. <laughs> That's cathartic. Like, yeah, it was very cathartic. Um, but that's what they did. It was him sitting there going, no, really, this is the way the story should be told. I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on things that were mistakes. Yeah, and and I think that's why the Snyder cut rubs me the wrong way. This is not that, and so for me. This is like, all right, we're going to try something new and see how it plays. Yeah. And, and it's, it's looking, it's, it's learning from your mistakes and not sitting there and trying to tell people that you're right, even though you're clearly not. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay. So then the, this Batman film seems like they're not doubling down on their mistakes, right? Right. It seems like they're, they're, they, they listened and they're going to say, okay, we're going to try something different. Uh, and hopefully this works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I mean I like I like where they're going with this. This is the direction that I had wished they had that that I wish they had gone in in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um and they're 
I just really like the idea of rebooting the single character within this larger universe. That just <laughs> that really like it's. I just love the 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 guts of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, and DC has it. the DC has the advantage that they could just you know they've got so many different storylines where everything gets mixed up and fixed and changed yeah. and and so it's like if there is a story group that can do it like DC's got it set up where it can it can do that yeah um so it's got a little bit of an out there um i love the fact that this is, see again one of the things that we've praised marvel for is that each movie like you're not trying to make the captain america movie be the exact same as the Doctor Strange movie because when they were published in comics, that wasn't the point. Like they each had their own tone, their own feel. And like the idea of a Black Widow spy movie, everybody's like, yes, that's how you should do that character. And um, and this is doing Batman in a very noir feeling format. And I think for for me, that's a much better you know, a better choice. Do, do something that plays to the character you're trying to highlight. Don't try and just make it. We're, we are, we are past the nineties. Everything must be a four color comic movie. Right. World. Right. Well, I feel like we haven't even gotten to the colorful X-Men yet. Like, Mm-mm. you know, we, we, they went from the matrix to, you know, uh, the X-Men <laughs> kind of doing all black leather, you know, and then X-Men first class sort of started to, to, play in that world that fun colorful 60s world of the x-men but i i feel like as soon as that kind of brought a glimmer of light they brought um oh god what's his name they brought him back uh not snyder um jesus is gonna drive me nuts um snyder somebody's (laughs) shouting at our radio right now yes (laughs) singer singer and singer um they brought him back and just went back the 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 black leather route um but in terms of of the batman i feel like um you know i don't want anyone to think that i'm giving warner brothers all this credit for course correcting i think if ben affleck hadn't about out they absolutely would still be doubling down on batfleck i really believe that they would be trying everything they could to make that work within snyder's universe i think because ben affleck is you know kind of the level of star that he is and he said i'm out they had no choice but to go with their second option. Right. Right. And I think that might act, we might benefit so much from that. Um, I love Matt Reeves as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. So that's what makes me the most excited about this. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we woulda, coulda, shoulda, I think, you know, Ben Affleck as, as the dark Knight returns version of Batman would have been awesome. That's kind of what they tried to do, but not the right way. (laughs) Um, I've seen a lot of people complain about how, the major flaw in the DC universe is that you can't deconstruct a superhero in their first movie where you're supposed, where they had not even constructed yet. How do you mm. feel about that? What is your re- reaction to that? Um, like man of steel was supposed to be, you know, deconstructing Superman. Yeah, but that wasn't so hard because you're doing it. Like I, if you're going to de- deconstruct it you have to start off with the deconstruction and that's i think what man of steel did like like they started the character deconstructed they didn't you know what i mean is that a problem to you no if they start the character that way i do think it's hard to say well the character's been like this forever even though you've known him for five minutes so now we're going to deconstruct him 
Right. I think that's what most people got from Man of Steel and from Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. My my take on it, and this could just be like a very like insular, like comic book geek take, but it's like these characters are already constructed. They've been constructed for decades. Like we know who Superman is at this point. We mm-hmm. know who Batman is at this point. We don't need the Captain America 1940s origin story, you know, that mattered for the MCU and for Captain America because they were literally introducing that character to the general consciousness, right? Right. But Batman and Superman have already been that. So, so I think it's fine to deconstruct them, you know, like in their, in their first movie in the, in the new DCU or whatever, like I'm fine. That doesn't throw me. I don't need to know. I don't need to be shown that Superman is a boy scout at this point. But I think a lot of the people complaining about these takes are, you know, Superman's supposed to be a Boy Scout. How, why don't we get Superman as a Boy Scout? And I'm like, we already have that. But that's right. just me. I, I know. No, I get, I get that. And I, I, I think, I mean, it depends on what you mean, I guess, by deconstruct. Because. That's true. Like, like again, to use Dark Phoenix as an example. Like you can't, you can't make us feel about a character we've seen in like half a movie. Yeah. And, and expect us to have these emotional ties to, to her. Yes. I think it's the same thing with trying to deconstruct a character. Like if your concept is we're going to do a different take on this character and, and it's a deconstructed view of that character, that's awesome. But if you start with a character as we know it, and you don't give it enough time for the audience to like, if you decide, okay, Captain America is going to be Captain America for five minutes. And then we're going to take away the boy scout feet. Right. Right. No, they did, it, yeah, it, it's not going to work. Right. They, they didn't do that in the first movie. They did it in the second one. Right. With winter soldier. And then they kind of went from there. Civil war. Wasn't the first, can you imagine if they did like Captain America, the first Avenger, and then they did civil war. <laughs> That's what Batman versus Superman felt like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, all right. All right. I, I honestly, I love how much discussion we're giving to DC. I feel like we always just crap on DC, which is understandable. You know, cause they I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I've, I've not done that today, but okay. <laughs> well, I'm super hopeful, you know, like I, when it, at the end of the day, I love Batman. I love Superman. I love green lantern. I love the flash. So, you know, um, I mean, God, I used to wear wonder woman shirt the logo like in college. (laughs) Oh God, at this art school. Anyway. Um, so, you know, I love these characters and so I'm going to show up for them. I'm super excited to see green lantern, like in a justice league movie. Like I'm so excited about that. Martian Manhunter was supposed to be a cameo. Like I'm super excited about all of that stuff. So yeah, this is good. This is, I mean, and then the Batman movie, I'm I'm really excited about this. I'm just I, it's it's a grand experiment. It's like a grand geek experiment we're living in. <laughs> Speaking well, I am, of, <laughs> I am looking forward to Batman, so that should be fun. Yeah. Speak and you know, Sel- Selena Kyle's good. Catwoman's going to be in it, and mm-hmm. they're fleshing out Gotham more in a way that they never have before. So, yeah. Um, speaking of a grand geek experiment. How do you feel about uh, as a regular attendee of Comic Con? How do you feel since we got news that at first we got news that Comic-Con was canceled. Mm-hmm. And since then they've, they've announced that they are going to be taking it virtual this year. I, I am hopeful for it because um, for me, 
every I've, I've gone to, to BlizzCon several years now, like I've gone twice. Um, and that's for, you know, World of Warcraft and Overwatch and all those games. And the thing I like about what they do is it's very hard to get tickets because they've only got a limited amount of space. Mm-hmm. But all their panels, all their panels are online. You have to buy a virtual ticket, but you get access to all the announcements. You get access to all the the cool features. And they've, they've, you know, they started with just like the main stage stuff. And now mm-hmm. they, uh, you can go and see the tiny little side things that they do. Yeah. Um, the only thing you're really not getting to do is play the, the demos of the, the new games or the new expansions and that kind of stuff. Okay. And, and for me, I've always thought, well, why, why isn't Comic-Con doing that? They're, they're missing out on an opportunity to reach a wider audience. And yeah, you won't get to go through all of the um, vendor tables. You won't get to go through all of the smaller um, side panels. But if they make it a virtual, you know, they can start building that direction. So I buy a virtual ticket on a year that I can't get a regular ticket. And then right. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on Comic-Con. Do you think that will taking that approach will um, affect interest? Like, do you think people will be less willing to go because they can just stay at home and watch it virtually? I think I think interest is already starting to wane. I don't think it's to a point where you're going to. I mean, it's still very hard to get tickets. But I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to even bother trying to get a ticket. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, and I I think I think with the larger studios kind of going eh we've got our own stuff to announce this stuff at. We really don't need Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, we've got a better, better audience. It's starting to walk back to where it was just a little bit more about the comics and a little less about the big studio, Hollywood, come see all your favorite movie stars right. kind of situation. Now, I could be completely wrong, and they could just, you know, have had a couple of years where it was um, not focused on that. Yeah. But I don't think so. I think I think that interest in it is waning from the point of view of there are I, there are enough conventions out there that I can see a lot of this stuff in other places and then just read about the big stuff in the news. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the some of the questions that I've seen posed lately is is about that. We're not. I mean, we're not even yet taking into consideration this this new the new normal of like <laughs> pandemics mm-hmm. and you know like safe like health and safety and that sort of thing Con- are conventions even like should we be having conventions period <laughs> like you know the, a, a convention is literally a bunch of people coming together right is that ever going to be a good idea again well i think i think it has to be because i think if I mean, obviously, right now we've got a, a really bad situation, and it would be stupid to have everybody in one yeah. place like that. Yeah. But I do think I think the reason why I'm so drawn to conventions and why I enjoy them so much is that there is a a feeling of camaraderie. There's a feeling of I'm not alone. There's a feeling of being with people who get you, and I think that's very important. Um, you know, Matt and I, a couple years ago went on a, um, a gay cruise and I've got to say, I have never felt more comfortable or relaxed in my own skin Mm -hmm. 
because I was surrounded by people who knew what it was like to be gay, who mm-hmm. weren't worried about other people's judgment because everybody there was gay. And, and I think that's the same thing you get in conventions. You're not worried about, um, you know, letting your geek flag fly um, because, because you're there with other people who get it. And I mean, maybe it's less important for the geek community right now because um, you know, we've gone mainstream, which is just weird, but, but for me, I don't think that getting rid of conventions is a great idea because I think at some point you have to, you have to collect with your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what do you think about, that just makes me think about like gamers and how like they, they connect online. Like these mm-hmm. communities are existing online where they don't necessarily have to meet in person or be in the same space. You know what I mean? And I think the younger generation that has just grown up with online being a thing, mm-hmm. it almost seems like they don't really make a distinction between, you know, I'm going to get in my car and drive to this place versus I can just hop on you know, and, and just connect with my community. Yes. No, I mean like, yes and no, because this last November when we did BlizzCon, you know, I had two people that I, I I met one of them once in, in real life, but they both live in London. And so they flew out, they stayed with us. We got to hang out. Like it was amazing. And we went to a place where, because they are much bigger podcasters in the, Warcraft community, I was meeting people that I've listened to on podcasts forever. And it was just this exciting, like, Mm. yes, we can, we can sit on discord and talk about the game, but you're kind of experiencing something together with all of these people. And I I don't know that that's, uh, you know, something you can replicate just via online. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, another thing about Comic-Con going online and being virtual is that's, I think that de-incentivizes the studios that you were talking about to even want to participate. Cause it's like, you know, w- what is the incentive then for them to be part of it when they have their own way of getting their, their content out there. Right. Right. Um, like you can say, you know, Comic-Con is this huge cultural event uh, to be there means something to be in hall h means something to sit and and be one of the first to see these you know these trailers and these teasers and stuff means something and so we've seen studios um you know save things prepare things especially for this audience you know announce you know make big announcements and and stuff like that um, but if it's going to be online and it's going to be virtual and everyone, anyone can just, you know, tune in, then, you know, HBO or Warner Brothers or Marvel can just put their thing out on their own platform, which we've already seen, right, with Disney, like sort of pulling, you know, less and less, putting less and less into the whole Comic-Con experience and sort of saving it for their own convention. Right, right. And But I, I'm, I'm kind of glad about that because yeah. when I started going to Comic-Con, it was not about... I mean, yes, there was always Hall H and yes, it was more difficult to get in than other panels. And they also didn't have as many panels to go to. Yeah. So the competition to get into those panels was still pretty high, but at the same time, you just spent more time on the, on the floor and, and, you know, finding new artists and picking up swag. And it, it was, it was simpler then. 
<laughs> yeah, what it, I mean, this feels like part of this huge wave almost when we're talking about like defunding the police and like demilitarizing, like, you know, and 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 finding ways, you know, to provide better services for people. And like, you know, uh in terms of like is someone showing up with a gun the the best answer to every possible problem that you know nowadays cops are called for and you know not let's not support these huge corporations you know let's you know screw starbucks let's support the small locally owned cafe and right like let's you know let's turn back towards the mom and pop shops and support people in our community that are doing these things instead of you know giving all our money and and you know attention to these huge corporations or whatnot um, and I've seen a lot of that kind of echoed in these conversations around Comic-Con where it's like, it used to be about the small comic book dealers and it used to be about meeting the artists and stuff. And now it's, you know, all these like huge, uh, media conglomerates that, that took over, but let's go back to what it was about. Mm-hmm. Well, I and know. I think, I think people are feeling <sighs> we're in a world where, I mean, you and I generate content, half of my students generate content, like you can get content. Like content is not a problem. Yeah. Um, so I do think that in that respect, if conventions don't become a little bit more specialized and don't become a little bit more like, I think, I think we are veering away from the, this is the everything that's pop media come enjoy it. And it's going to be more, okay, we're going to go back to comic books. We're going to go back to our roots and this is going to be about comic books and maybe some films, you know, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think they're going to yeah. have to start struggling before that starts happening. And I don't think that's immediately going to happen, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I think people have stopped relying on, yes, we, we get excited when Marvel's going to put stuff out, but we can also have, while we're waiting, we have all these conversations about it. We have, all the, you know, we generate our own content. And yeah. so I think it's a lot less, um, important for people to be intimately plugged in. I think, I think it's just a cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I do want to say something when I was talking, when I was talking about all this wave of all these different things, I, I wasn't intending to, um, to equate these movements to each other because they're vastly different, especially in terms of importance of overall importance. But, um, but I do think, uh, you know, there's this sense of like caring about people, (laughs) you know, like just as simple as that sounds like literally just like caring, like caring about people and, and, and it's, we're seeing it in all these different ways. Well, and people are, are, I think looking at it as, um, we don't have to do this because the way it's, it's the way it's been done. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's the key of it. It doesn't have to be like, and, and maybe that's why I push back so hard on, on DC. It's kind of like, it, it, you don't have to do it this way. Do something different. <laughs> yep. Totally. Um, okay. Let's talk about, um, Let's talk about the fact that a bunch of movies have been pushed back. You know, what's weird is that we were supposed to have already seen Black Widow. Yes. And it, it every time I think about it, it just gives me, gives me sadness. It gives me, it gives me the sads. Right? Like we're supposed to exist in a world now where Black Widow has been out. Mm-hmm. 
and, and it is it is sad. It makes me sad to, to when I'm reminded of that. They go, oh yeah, <laughs> what happened to that Marvel movie? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that that movie never even you know. It's it's it honestly it's it's unless I come across it's not in my consciousness. Like I'm not like thinking about like you know oh the Black Widow movie needs to come out, um, which is sad again sad because I was really looking forward to that movie. Um, and it mean, meant so much to, to in terms of like what Marvel has been putting out and as much as we like it, where they could do better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was, was supposed to be part of that. And uh, it's kind of, it is sad that it was, is it's, you know, one of the, uh, the kind of, I guess, the results of this pandemic and how everything's been changed and how even movie theaters the concept of a movie theater now is like i don't know about that yeah, um no it, it's i but i i think when it does release i think it's going to be a big boon for the the movie the you know mm. the movie theaters because i think at this point people are like yeah i'm i'm not doing that where yeah. um i don't know i i think a lot of people are going to be like well this is a marvel movie like you got to yeah. see it in the theater. <laughs> we're we're going to throw on our masks and we're just going to hope for the best. Right, right. Well, that and Wonder Woman 1984 was also pushed back. It was supposed to be released in July. Then it got pushed back to August. And now it's being pushed back again, I think, to later this year, like in November or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, we're seeing this whole industry kind of rethink its, its distribution <laughs> avenues, right? Mm-hmm. Like where, you know, Movie theaters, I, I I listed another um article that we can just sort of jump, lump in now. Movie theaters in California are reopening, kind of, because they're reopening, but there's all these new structures in place to try to keep people safe, right? Or maybe it's the right, illusion right. of safety at this point. Who knows? But, you know, there's only a certain amount of people allowed in the theater. There's, you know, a certain number of seats in between people sitting down. There's all these new regulations trying to, you know as we're watching this industry try to adapt. Um, but we've also seen a lot of success with like direct to streaming. Mm-hmm. Right. And pay-per-view where you can just, you know, you can pay 20 bucks and watch a, a brand new movie that's in theaters in the comfort of your and safety of your home. Right. So now would be a time to invest in companies that put out like home, home <laughs> uh, media equipment, because I think people are going to be like, well, if I'm going to have to be here, let's, let's upgrade yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, Joe, do you, first of all, does going to a movie theater and watching the film in the theater matter to you? Is that is that a significant experience for you apart from watching it at home? And two, do you think we'll actually go back to that fully? Um, it depends and yes. So it depends on the movie because like at this point, I feel like, you know, going to see the Harry Potters was an event going to see Marvel movies is an event going to say, see things that were, you know, big hyped up, you know, it's a, I think again, a little bit of that wanting to go and experience it with other people that are ex- as excited about it as you. Yeah. But I'm going to be a lot less excited to go see, you know, the, the latest rom-com or the latest, right. um, you know, the, the latest comedy flick just because it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun movie, but, I don't need to have that communal experience to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and what was the second half of the, the question? Do you think like we're going to go back to those big event movie theater showings where like the theater is packed with, with people? 
Um, I, I think eventually, I think, I, I do think there are a lot of things that are going to look a lot different in the f- moving forward that we're not going to go back to where we started. And I think, again, we, we just talked about that with Comic-Con. I think, you know, people are looking at the world and going, we don't have to do it just because, but I mean, <laughs> my art form requires you to sit in seats in a theater. So I certainly hope that we get to a point where people are willing to gather in a theater and partake in movies and, and plays because otherwise I'm, I'm going to have to find different ways to do what I'm doing. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's also not what I got into this, you know, art to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way about art shows. Like I haven't been to a gallery show in forever. You know, I was working towards my own gallery show, you know, and it's like now, like, is that, when is that going to be a thing again? (laughs) A bunch of people. I mean, one of the things that kind of like low key freaks me out about the fact that California is, you know, making this push to like open again, which I think started like today, like this week, like a bunch of stuff is opening. Yeah. Um, today meaning the day that we're recording this um is that we still don't have a cure for this um (laughs) for this virus right you know people a lot of people are still you know being getting sick and and dying of this virus and and i think projections for like a, a vaccine of some kind are like a year out still right so yeah, like it's not, I mean, just because we've adjusted to it doesn't mean that it's gone away, you know? Right. And no, I, I completely very agree with you. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, it, it bothers me because a lot of people just jumping out and and going to a lot of, like, I think there are different degrees of risk, and I think going to a, a store with a mask and few people in there, you know, it's okay to, to do that. You're not really exposing yourself that strongly going into a movie theater or going to someplace that's, you know, a lot of people in a small compacted space. We're, we're not ready for that. And, and so I do think you're going to get to a point where I think people are just, they just don't, they want to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And they're taking risks that that they shouldn't, and it bothers me because it's like, well, then what were these last three months for? Like, why yes. did we come to begin with? Like, if I was going to waste all this time stuck at home, you know, I mean, we've we've made the best of it, and and we do what we can to keep ourselves entertained and not going crazy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but what was the point if everybody's just going to jump in and expose each other to to the virus? It, it yeah. just it, frustrating last week california matched its peak of cases mm-hmm. from from back in i think may well now and, and just to to clarify that statistic they also have been testing more yes that's true that's true um and because of you know everyone we we still don't ha- we still are not seeing the the results of all the protests that have been going on as well Right. That's going to be another, that's, that should be coming up this week. <laughs> yeah. That's another wave, right? In, in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is still very much here. Um, and with that, I'm just going to point out another article that I listed that Disneyland is reopening. I think that's such a <laughs> hey, Joe, want to go to Disneyland? 
like there's a there's a very selfish part of me like somebody on my facebook posted this and and i i i have to agree with her even though i i do understand the other part of it and and she was basically like what kind of like health privilege and socioeconomic <laughs> privilege are these people showing that are like i'm so excited that disneyland is opening because not only do i get to go back but i get to go back when there's nobody there yeah it's it's a it's a sick venn diagram right there. Uh, it's just it's just like like i i understand the excitement because if you like disneyland the idea of going there when most people are afraid to yeah is is wonderful but especially because especially because like you know star wars star wars land is um yeah. You know, something that a bunch of us have not seen yet because we're like, yeah, we're not fighting through those crowds. So yep. there's that pull of, well, let's just go during. Yep. Um, <laughs> but no, I again, I didn't spend three months in quarantine to just expose myself to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. I've seen videos of people like shaming people that weren't wearing masks somewhere. Like, have you seen those? Like. There's, there's clips on social media of like a bunch of people like in a supermarket and someone walks around like not wearing a mask and people are just like, what are you doing? Like, well, I've, also <laughs> heard, I've also heard in different parts of the country the, the exact opposite. Like, why are oh, you wearing – Oh, God. Are you serious? Yeah. It's like, well, there's – it's the ignorance parade. We're right Oh, there. my God. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I want to kind of keep this going with um, – sort of just watching this all play out and watching how these corporations and media companies are, are trying to adapt on the fly and trying to do the right thing and figuring out what the right thing even is. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in terms of the pandemic, but also in terms of the protests, we've seen a lot of companies come out and make statements mm-hmm. and, um, what interested me about this was was the question being posed of, okay, you made a statement, now what? Right. Like, what comes after that? And and the same goes, I mean, to me, this this is, you know, shades of this are, uh, are, are in the response to the pandemic, too, where all of these companies are saying, yeah, we're going to shut down, we're going to do this. And then as soon as they can get away with it, they're like, we're opening up, right? <laughs> like, Come on back, paying customers. Um with this, with the Black Lives Matter movement and with the protests going on, uh, you see, I mean, if you're on social media at all, you see all of these companies chiming in and trying to say the right thing. But then the question is, are they going to follow that up with real change? What What is the next step, right? And I'm so glad that that's being called out like immediately, like right away. Okay, you made your post, good for you. And mind you, some not everyone's made a post. <laughs> not, not everyone's figured out the right thing to say. <laughs> well, because I think at this point, words without action are meaningless. And I think, I think people are tired of thoughts and prayers. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I saw a great post the other day that said, um, diversity training is, is the thoughts and prayers of the, of the workplace. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Cause you're not, you're not doing anything to, I mean, I, I've been, uh, this is not a proud moment, but I have been in, um, in sexual harassment training. Like somebody does something stupid, Mm-hmm. Um, on campus and then everybody has to go through it. Mm-hmm. And there was totally sexual harassment bingo cards being passed around. Oh, because, wow. Because, because a lot of it, not, this is not a good justification, but I think a lot of people are like, 
you you shouldn't have done that in the first place. You should know better. Like, you know, but people don't take it seriously. Yeah. Um, so it's like, that is not an effective way of making change. Right. Right. And we've seen, um, again, we've seen, you know, companies try different things. Uh, a bunch of video game companies temporarily shut down their servers in support of Black Lives Matter, which at mm-hmm. first, when I first read about, I was like, wait, they shut down the game, right? The online version of the game. Um, and I thought, well, what is that supposed to do? And then I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually a huge deal to gamers, like oh, yeah. for, for for their games, for their, the servers to be shut down for a period of hours in support. It's basically taking away your escapism and saying, no, you, this, we recognize this is something we have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a gamer, so I, it took me a minute to kind of grasp what that meant. Yeah, no, that's that's a big deal. And I mean, they, they didn't shut down WoW's servers, but they were planning on a huge, um, like, they, they've got a, an expansion coming out at the end of the year, and they were going to do one of their big, you know, here's all the information that we're going to give you, and mm-hmm. this is, you know, hype it up and get all excited. And they went, no, no, there's other, there's other stuff you need to be focusing on right now. Right. Right. We saw, I saw an article about how the, the board gaming industry was refusing um, to, to make a statement about Black Lives Matter in support of that. And then a bunch of really popular creators and, and board game manufacturers kind of all spoke out against their own industry. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, we don't really talk or hear a lot about the board gaming industry. Although I have to say, I have some friends that are like devotees of this industry. Okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, and they talk about it all the time and they're recommending games all the time. And I'm like, geez, I wish I had more friends to play these games with. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought, what a cool way to show your power as an industry, you know, to, to speak out against your own industry and, and against the fact that they're refusing to stand up and say something. And guess what happened? An about face immediately. This, right. this uh, board gaming association decided to go ahead and make a statement, you know, because it was called out by its own people, by its own industry. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, Lego asked for, for stores to stop advertising their white house and, and police department sets, which I thought, wow, that's interesting. It's <laughs> interesting. I almost, I almost <laughs> wish they had said they were recalling their white house and police. Sets. That's what I thought they said at first. And a matter of fact, because social media is what it is, right. It's kind of a huge global game of telephone. That is what I came across at first was logo. Uh, Lego is, is, um, decommissioning or like, you know, just ceasing the production of these sets. And as I looked into it more, I was like, oh no, see, the truth is that they just asked the store selling them to stop, to not advertise them. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be, be out there. Um, I, to me, that's, that's as far as like a, a big company, you know, calling out th- the problem, um, Lego, <laughs> Lego directly naming the White House is the problem. I think is, I think that's the furthest I've seen a big company take that. <laughs> yeah, but again, is it is it is there much behind it if you're not recalling the product? Because yeah. like words without sacrifice. That's that's the thing that I've been hearing from a lot of people. Words without sacrifice is meaningless. Yeah, yeah. and and so you know the the real move should have been we're we're recalling our our White House and police sets. Right, we're not glorifying these these things any longer. Right, but um, you know, hey, to 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 be that vocal, you know, at least it's a step in the right direction. But yeah, I, I do think that you know there was a there was a, a missed opportunity there. So far, the standard 
<laughs> is still the crown is still held by Ben and Jerry's. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that their response to the, their statement, Ben and Jerry's statement to this is wow. They if 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 you're listening and you haven't seen it, please check take the time to go look at what the statement they released and how just straight they cut straight to the heart of the matter. They were they were unflinching in their in their language and and their their you know what they named it, which is super important to a lot of activists out there. Uh, and I've just seen their statement lauded over and over again by people. So um, I already love their ice cream. So this is made me so happy. Well, they've always honestly they've always been like that. That's like, true. They've, they've always been the first people to go. Nope, don't like this. Here's why. Yes, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised because I thought I would get. I normally get all of their emails. Oh, because I love the fact that they well, just because they're they're so they're very blue con, um, company. So yeah, I, yeah. But I don't see it in my my email. Radically so, I would even say. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like on like they show like wow, a company can really be on the cutting edge, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms, you know, for a company. Yeah. Um. Man, we got so much to talk about. How long have we been talking for, Joe? Um, just a little Jesus over an hour, God. hour and 15. <laughs> Time flies, dude. Wow. We've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes already. That's crazy. Um, so, okay. Taking the focus away from these big media, you know, companies and corporations and to the actual players in, in, in these movies and shows that we watch and the stuff that we consume and the actors. Um, I'm like such a huge fan of John Boyega at this point. I don't oh, yeah. know if I could, <laughs> I don't know if I could be a bigger fan. Um, I've always liked him. I mean, I I loved when he was cast in Star Wars because I'm a huge fan of Attack the Block. Um, but it following him, very, on social, I love that movie. Oh my god, I recommend it to so many people, Joe. Love that's that. the one. That's the hidden gem that I recommend to people that just you know I don't follow geek properties the way a lot of us do. Um, that's yeah. Attack the Block is like the uh, it, it's like the gateway drug to like geekier shit for people that mm-hmm. I know that. <laughs> um, but uh, following him on social media is pretty amazing because he's so outspoken. And I have to admit, I have to admit, I do kind of get a kick out of how he responds to the, uh, to, to the, the basement dwelling incel faction of, of geekdom. Um, he is just so, you know, uh, um, there's no hesitation from him. It seems like to 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 say what's on his mind and and to fight the good fight and to call out the people that are being toxic in in terms of the fandom. You know, he's so outspoken about it. Um, and also in defense of of the fans that are that are positive and that are mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. and that just want to celebrate the thing. You know what I mean? And and that right. are rightfully critical. You know. You know. Um, of something Star Wars related or whatnot, he just dives right in there and and he takes all of the you know all of the vitriol that is thrown at him, um, and it's just great to see someone do that. You know, uh, I didn't realize gullibly, I guess I didn't realize that these actors were sort of, you know, if you're signed on to a Star Wars movie, you're under contract, you have a non disclosure agreement, you can't speak ill of the films or the franchise or anything like that. And as soon as that contract was over for him and also for um, ooh, Oscar Isaacs, 
they mm-hmm. they have been they have just been very outspoken of the challenges of being you know in these movies and sort of the good and the bad of it and you know they appreciate the fans that appreciate them but at the same time they're not going to just stand by and just allow themselves to be treated a certain way by the the negative segment of, of fandom right and i wish i it, the, it's a smart thing it's not an easy thing but it's a smart thing for all actors to do that yes. all celebrities to do that because because eventually it's like, well, I'm not going to follow him. Well, I'm not going to pay attention to him. Well, I'm not going to go see his next movies. Well, eventually they're going to run out of stuff to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, like if everybody, if everybody stands their ground on, on this and says, stop ruining everybody else's fun. Like if you don't like it, fine, but be respectful about it. Stop treating, you know, we are, we are not your slaves here. Like yeah. we're not, we're not beholden to you. We're doing yeah. our job. And if you don't like it, don't consume it. Yeah, exactly. And as far as celebrities speaking out, you know, they don't always do it the right way. <laughs> but I think that's an important learning moment. You know, if you get if you get dragged for, you know, uh, just being out of touch in terms of, you know, wanting to say the right thing or wanting to do the right thing, but just, you know, realizing that you're actually disconnected from the real voices of whatever movement you're trying to support. Just listen. Right. Just listen, you know, chalk it up to, okay, you know, no one's perfect. You fucked up. Now's my my opportunity to learn something new. Um, that being said, <laughs> I want to talk about this with you. Uh, so, the 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 actor who plays who played Elongated Man mm-hmm. on the Flash TV show, which I was mm-hmm. a, a big fan of, uh, Hartley Sawyer was was let go for for really really problematic tweets from the past. Um, I don't know if you heard about that or if you looked into that I at did, all, Joe. So you're gonna have to fill me in. So, you know, this is, again, let's just, I feel like just like a lot of these conversations, there's nuance to be had, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think, I think we're, hopefully, we're, we're getting past the point of just this, this sort of reactionary cancel culture, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like, oh, someone's not perfect, canceled, right? Uh, because none of us are perfect. And, and I can understand the, the sort of cathartic need to do that at first when, you know, you, you felt marginalized um in different ways in your life and now you have this power to cancel someone you know on social media or whatnot um that being said (laughs) you know you i want to give the benefit of doubt sometimes and uh you know i do believe that there should be room for growth you know if someone i mean i've (laughs) believe me um you know if not then i i wouldn't be here today um We're all evolving. We're all learning new things, hopefully, and, and you know, having conversations in good faith and, and sort of moving our position, right? Um, that being said, uh, sometimes it just feels like sort of like, a, like an about face that doesn't feel genuine. And with just a little bit of investigation, you can see, oh, this was not from like eight or 10 years ago that this person, you know, was a, was a young teenager and just sort of, you know saying things just for shock value. Like this was a couple months ago and dude, I looked into, I just, out of curiosity, I was like, I want to see what was so bad, you know? Wow, Joe. Wow. How, how, how long ago? Let's start there. Okay. Um, as, (laughs) as recently, so, so the bulk of the, of the really bad stuff is from about, 2012 2014 okay okay and and that stuff was it like 
It wasn't like an edgy comedian trying to say the wrong thing and skirt the line. It was just like straight out, like violent messaging. Mm-hmm. So not like jokes, like, like, look at how quirky and, you know, dark I am, but like mm-hmm. straight out, like, I want to do this horrific thing to this horrific person or to this, not to this, this horrific thing to this innocent, undeserving person, like, or identity even. Right. Right. Which is bad. Like that's, whoa, like, okay. Uh, but, but as, as recently as a few months ago. He, he was saying some really shitty stuff about Black Lives Matter and, and about people who support Black Lives Matter. Um, where I'm, where I was like, okay, this, yeah, like, <laughs> like this, guy, <laughs> this guy has some, you know, because when I first looked into it and Twitter is the place that I go to try to say, okay, what's the scoop here? Cause you can actually dip into the conversation and it does take some kind of like, like, you got to sort of learn how to navigate the platform. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, and so you dip into the conversation and you do have to wait. It's not packaged for you neatly. You know, you, you have to know how to look and how to, you know, adjust your search and which voices to sort of look for. Um, but once I did that, cause the first wave is like, Hey, you know, people deserve to change and you know, you don't deserve this. And this is a long time ago, blah, blah. And then as I did a little bit digger, dipping, d- digging a deeper digging, it was like, Oh, Okay. First of all, he was 30 years old when he said a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was looking at. I'm like, well, how old is this guy? And I'm like, okay, yeah, this isn't like when I was 18 or even my early 20s. This is late 20s, early 30s. Right. You've, right. you've lost the you've lost the permission to be stupid. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm so it's so interesting, you know, we talk about being geeks all our lives and kind of living in this age where like, wow, geeks, like, you know, the whole identity is like kind of out and it's in the mainstream now. And as someone who, who has been engaged politically for a number of years now, and is, you know, has always been on the far left of most, not all, but most of my interactions and conversations about this stuff with people, uh, it's really interesting (laughs) to be, you know, kind of see, see what's happening now and, and, a number of activists who have been doing this work for a long time are saying, this is different. This feels different. Yeah. Right. And so we're seeing this shift where there's consequences and, you know, some people are going to, you know, sort of do the, the, in, the investigation of themselves before it comes to this. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm good. I mean, I urge everyone to do that. I daily am like, I have friends and, you know, people that are close to me that I trust that, you know, um, I know I can count on to sort of be like, call me out, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. am I, am I, am, you know, am I full of shit here? Am I, you know, am I taking too much, too much space? Am I, and I trust them. So, uh, I think we all need that. Yeah. Um, don't be the elongated man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like it, it says something about a person if you're posting anything in 2020 that's that kind of stuff like yes. it, it, because because that's not like you you are aware of who is going to see that and so what you're doing is it's an attack whether you mean, whether you mean to or not you are saying that this is how I feel yes and and you can't pull that back because if you didn't, I said this to, I said this to 
to Matt the other day when we were driving around. There's a there's a bar out in in um, in Palm Desert, and the guy is exceedingly conservative, and he paints like these really horrible right wing, like extreme right wing neoconservative things on the roof of his. Oh. Cause it's like a, it's the, it's called the barn and it's the shape of a barn. And so there's these two huge roof sides that he can paint stuff on. And I was like, we drove past it yesterday. And I'm like, there's a, there, there's a new level. Like you have to be a certain type of person that you want to call your, your position out from literally the, the rooftops. Like, at that point you like you've you've stopped being in the mainstream and you yeah. are you are you are an extremist. So yeah. you can't backpedal from that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and that tells you something about their conviction as well, right? Like that tells yeah. you like, yeah, they're it's almost like a uh I mean it is, it's it's a defiant sort of like proud declaration. Very destructive and violent, I would even say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I it, it's it's not we're not talking offhand comments here. We're talking people that y- y- if you're going to make this statement, you got to own it. Yeah, like, this, this is you being you. Yeah, there's a couple other things I want to talk about that I think feels connected to this conversation we've been having in this in this podcast, and then um, I I think maybe the rest of the stuff we can you know either talk about at some point or maybe not if it's not if it doesn't feel relevant. I don't know. Right. Um. Definitely want to talk about the Punisher logo. Mm-hmm. Definitely want to talk about J.K. Rowling and and listen to you talk about J.K. Rowling. Actually, well, I have I have to say that the the funniest thing I saw about J.K. Rowling on on the internet was somebody I don't know who I don't have the the information. It was just in scrolling, um, but they said um, the 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 geek divorce the 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 culture divorce is going a little bit in a way that's unexpected. The liberals have gotten NASCAR and the conservatives have gotten uh, Harry Potter. And we're very confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard someone, I, I saw someone post uh, her name's JK because I mean, we're not supposed to take this seriously. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What this, I mean, I, I, this kind of shocked me. I don't know if, if I don't know if that's just my ignorance or, or well, she's been, she's been like, has this been, been, has this been coming for a while? I, I don't, I don't know what to make of her because I, I'm not going to go back on what I just said. If you're going to put something out on social media, then you need to, you need to own it. Right. Now and she's, she, didn't, yeah. she didn't make a, from my understanding, she didn't make a statement about that was transphobic. She just liked something that was transphobic. Um, and, and it was an article about, it was an editorial about how you shouldn't the quote that everybody's upset about is you shouldn't um, put a Fox in the hen house because it was talking about, Oh, geez. Yeah, you should. It was talking about rape in women's prisons by transgender people, mm. and I. It sounds like it was a one-off, not a one-off incident. It sounds like it was one person who had major problems, but 
I, 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 I think in her mind, and I'm not trying to make excuses for her, she shouldn't be liking this kind of crap. She should know better. I'm, I'm guessing that from her point of view, it's a women's right me to movement kind of thing, as opposed to seeing it as a knock against trans people. But it doesn't read that way at all. Um, and again, not making an excuse for her, but she she speaks out on a lot of issues, and she speaks out in the right way on a lot of issues. But she also, especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community, um, she has struggled. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why you can feel one way and not the other. I, I just... I don't yeah. know, and I'm not going to try and explain it away because I'm not her. But that's my understanding of where the the comment, where, where the liking of that article came from. Yeah. Um, I I think I don't know. I I I I have basically said to myself, you know, we have we are past the point of um, you know, new Harry Potter content, so. I'm okay just leaving everything where it is for me and not consuming anything more because she's got a lot of money and she doesn't need any more for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that the, the earliest kind of, Oh, I did want to point out when, you know, when we say stuff like, uh, I don't know, politically, I feel like everyone thinks they're right. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks they're on the right side and, you know, I think there's a tendency nowadays for people to, to call out people's beliefs as like, oh, you, basically, if someone agrees with you, then they're doing it the right way. And if they don't, then they're not. Mm -hmm. But I think it's helpful to point out that it's 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 a it's not the right. It's not speaking out about something the right way or having the right politics because they agree with mine. I think it's a it's a very humanistic way of looking at life and at each other. Right. Right. It, right. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, there's a responsibility. Yes. I'm not saying that the right way is the liberal way. And that's what I'm trying to say. No, right. I feel like her, you know, she's trying, if she's trying to say X, she's not doing it in a way that a communicates X and B she's a celebrity. So she's not using her platform responsibly. She's, mm -hmm. she's, she's, you know, because she doubles so again. It's about doubling down. Like instead of saying, "Well," instead of explaining her position and saying, "This is why I like that article," or "This is mm -hmm. my concern with that article," or whatever mm -hmm. it is, she starts talking about thought police. And once again, people are are trolling through my my twitters to my my tweets to to um to to find things wrong with what I say and what I do. And it's like yeah. that's not what is happening here. And so I think that's that when I say bright way, that's what I mean. She's not handling, she's not handling her social media in a responsible way. Yeah. And she did get called out on that. And she did go onto Twitter and state her position unequivocally, which is that women are women and trans women are trans women. Okay. So I hadn't seen that. So there you go. Yeah. She unequivocally state and, you know, double down in a number of, replies to to people sort of calling her out mm -hmm. um so she's definitely like in in turfdom right like <laughs> she's definitely a trans exclusionary uh radical feminist or you know it's that that's and so that's what her transphobia is 
and mm. she's rightfully getting called out for it. And she's got a lot of fans that feel, you know, betrayed. Yeah. Um, and as you as you pointed out, Joe, this is the first time that she's, you know, sort of uh, um, upset her fans <laughs> in this in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the conversations are are happening. I mean, I don't. I from what I've read about on Twitter and followed, there doesn't seem to be any point where she's interested in in expanding her understanding or or sort of you know um moving from her position um which has got to be really i mean i would imagine you know if i was somebody who loved harry potter that would be like very distressing and at what point does the thing not belong to the creator anymore see i have a i have a problem with that because i know in the the harry potter fandom very often she's been told by fans and this is you know i i disagree with fans on this one that you know well the property is not yours anymore you know it's like Mm -hmm. you know we know how it should be and it's like no she wrote it um it's what she wants it to be because it's her vision it's what she's done like yeah you know you can't you can't claim somebody else's is yours just because you like it that much yeah like um you know i i you can't just like you can't make somebody be what you want them to be like if this is who she is and this is how she she looks at herself, then, you know, that's not something you can just wish away. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, but for me, that's the, for the, for me, the, uh, you know, as part of the LGBTQ community, that, that bothers me it, and I'm, I'm disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm going to be honest. I'm taking off, you know, I, I always put in a lot of my profiles that, you know, I'm a proud Hufflepuff that's being removed from my stuff. Like, mm. I'm sorry. It, you know, I, I'm not supporting that. I'm not supporting that mindset. And, you know, and, and then it, we're talking about this on the same day that the Supreme court just ruled that uh, gay and trans people cannot be fired from right. their jobs over, you know? So, I mean, at, at this point, I think it's fair to say that she's, she's falling behind the times and it's disappointing. Yeah. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Also, if, um, if you're like me and you are on the outside of this community, but you care and you want to learn and you want to, um, you know, take an opportunity to sort of um, expand your understanding. Um, these conversations are happening. I'm on Twitter and I'm reading these things and there's some really, really um, well-written, thoughtful sort of um breakdowns and and even even people reaching out to her and and directly you know replying to her and saying hey look this is how what you're saying is hurting people Mm -hmm. you know and and sort of and and i it's just um it's it's really cool to see these um to, to to see people you know sticking up for themselves and sticking up for what's right and you know standing up to someone that obviously you know, in, in some way, shape or form to this point, they've really looked up to and, you know, really gained a lot from them in their life in terms of the, you know, what they've created and, and given, given it to fans. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I urge you to like get involved, you know, and, and that doesn't mean saying anything because again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting back and watching and listening and learning. Um, but that, that is something that you can do. Yeah. And I urge you to do it. I mean, I'm, you know, it's one of the, it's one of my excuses for always being on Twitter too much. 
<laughs> no, but no, I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, yeah. And then, um, man, this has been a good size show. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did uh, want to talk about this. So here's, this is an interesting evolution for me in, in, in terms of um, what I want to bring up next and, and this problem or this, this issue, uh, the, the Punisher logo has for a long time now has been sort of co-opted by, by cops, right? Mm -hmm. Which that in and of itself, if you know the character of the Punisher to know that, you know, people that are supposedly out there to protect and serve are proudly, you know, using this logo to represent themselves. That's, that's not a good thing. No, that's, that's (laughs) definitely problematic. Right. Definitely problematic. Definitely. And, um, but you know, and, and actually quite a, quite a, um, few years ago, one of the co-creators of the Punisher, Jerry Conway, came out and 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 criticized cops for doing this and saying, "Yo, this is not no. Like, do you know anything about the character? I think you do, and this is fucked up. Like, like, like what the character is is not what you should be sort of choosing to represent yourself as, you know. Um, but cops were like, eh." You know, we're gonna do it anyway. We like it. We're badass. We're killer. We're out here to, you know, to punish the lawbreakers. Blah blah blah. Um, so then, <laughs> from there, um, and again, having you know the right intentions, <laughs> Jerry Conway decides to um, start a movement or 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 to to try to urge people to take this punisher symbol back from the cops and he's he's created um he's he's got convinced a number of artists to create their own versions of the punisher logo but repurposed to support black lives matter um I get where he was going with this. (laughs) It's still the punisher we're talking about right Joe like it's still yeah (laughs) <laughs> like it's still like a cold-blooded murdering vigilante and so an anti-hero so you can't yeah. you can't make him a heroic character you've not trying to make him a hero <laughs> oh, sorry yeah sorry I get a little, I get worked up well, over this honestly it's the same and i i may be i may be i i have a i have a problem with people who wear hydra paraphernalia oh my god are you kidding me i haven't even seen that Oh yeah, no, Hydra paraphernalia is everywhere. And it's kind of like you do know what Hydra is supposed to represent, right? Like uh, that's concerning. Like I and they they sell it everywhere. And it's uh, like do, do you not understand that that's supposed to be Nazis? <laughs> it's Nazis without being Nazis. <laughs> I have not seen that. I have a feel I have I feel like I'm going to do a deep dive and eat a bunch of ice cream later. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, like I get it. You know, Jerry Conway, I uh, intention, you know, is, is there, I see it, but it's literally called the campaign is called black lives matter skulls for justice. No, just no, just no. that's, you know, that's all right. Thank you though. You know, get people to donate money in a different way because you know they're selling these shirts, and the shirts just—I mean, you know—it's—it's a—it's a challenge for any artist. So I don't mean to sort of criticize the artists or the designers here, but it, if you look at the designs that are coming out, you'll see how just you know, in terms of of 
ideology and iconography and just the whole concept of these things, it, it rightfully is, is proving difficult to mash these things together. Yeah, it, it, you bounce off of it really, yes, really hard. Like the two that there's shown in the article, and I'll I'll post these in the, um, in the show notes. But the ones that they show in the article are are not good. I mean, they're yes. creative. The Black Lives Matter one, like I see what they're going for, and I think yes. design wise, amazing. Um, but no, the messaging is just not working. Yeah. No. yeah. So you know, again, I mean, I feel like. I try my best to just lend a lot of uh, as much grace as possible to those that are trying to do the right thing, you know, and, and I don't think that's, by the way, I don't think everyone needs to do that. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm someone that lives in a tremendous amount of my own privilege as well. So I feel like I, you know, um, I'm going to try to, to bridge a gap where I can, but that by no means that that people, people who don't, want to do that or don't have the you know don't feel the 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 energy or 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 that they want to you know devote themselves to that that's totally fine like absolutely you just want to be like i'm fucking tired of this shit shut the fuck up totally understandable um but yeah this is it's just been really i i just really love seeing the intersection of you know my my geek fandoms and these uh, these social justice movements and how they overlap and how they kind of bounce off against each other and whatnot. It's messy. Like all this shit is, it's just humans are messy. You know, we're, <laughs> we're going to fuck shit up along the way, but um, I'm here for it. Well, have you ever done a, I hope that this doesn't become a, a offensive comparison. <laughs> I like, you know, you, you start talking and then you're like, mm, maybe not, but <laughs> have you ever done a deep clean of your house? where you just take all the shit out of every closet and it looks like a bomb went off in your house. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you kind of, but you kind of have to do that to get yes. it back to the way it needs to be. Yes. And you should I, do it regularly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like that's where we at. Like, like we have not gone into this closet in a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And there's some scary shit in there and yes. some growth stuff that we didn't even realize but it's got to come out before we can put the the, the good stuff back in. The stuff yeah, that we want to keep. Yeah, and the, I think the I think the the unhelpful attitude to have is like, oh God, let's just never open that closet because mm-hmm. I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like I'm embarrassed or ashamed of what's. It's like got to do it. Got to do it. As as our society is is moving very quickly and evolving, and you know, um, you got to be willing to, like you said, just do that deep clean, and you know, um. It's okay to look like things have exploded once in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah especially if that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. You can't close the, if you basically can't close the closet door anymore, you got to deal with it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, damn, Joe, this has been so cathartic. I hope for people listening that we didn't, you know, kind of dwell on. On I know sometimes people come to podcasts for escapism and whatnot. Um, I just really felt the need to talk about this stuff with Joe because you know you're my friend and I love talking with you and. Um, it just feels good to just kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, well, we haven't, you know, and so you've been in a lot more isolation than I have. So yeah, I can true. imagine that it's, it builds up, but um, I think we can keep a lot of this stuff for our next episode because what's left over is odds and ends. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I'm not, don't, don't say what it is because then we're going to have to deal with it. But the thing oh. I'm highlighting right now, <laughs> like I think that's a great way to start off the next episode. So everybody's going to have to tune in to see that. <laughs> yeah good 
I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> this way. You're, you're going to hear you. Know, there might possibly be Joe tears. Just as a That's teaser. Me. I'm not going to name what it is. Teaser. Were you, a, Joe, were you aware of it before I, I shared the article? I, I, I wasn't because I just keep trying to wish it away. And I think at this point, everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. If you've been, a, if you've been a listen to this, to this podcast, I, I can, I can say, go ahead and tweet us and say, Next week is going to be about, oh, and we'll great. see if you're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was this was fun. I mean, I we, we we dipped into some heavy issues, but you know, I think you know it would be silly if we we didn't. So yeah, agreed. All right. Um, I'm assuming not any more shout outs that we had yesterday. I do have one shout out actually. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so I just subscribed to a new podcast. Um, it's called newcomers and, uh, dude, I thought about you right away when I first heard about this, when I first read about this podcast, it's, it's a star Wars podcast for fans of star Wars that are relatively new to star Wars or for fans of star Wars that maybe are not as tied to, I love it. Nonetheless, but are not as tied to Star Wars in a in a sort of um, you know canon worshiping. This was my childhood sort of way, right? And I've listened to a couple episodes already. Super cool podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like it's it's so cool to see. Again, I feel like this is an example of like the really positive aspects of fandom saying, hey, we're not going to be shouted out or shouted down by the more the more negative aspects of fandom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. It's um, it's run by two comedians, uh, Nicole Byer and Laura Lapkus. And uh, it's a really cool. It's called Newcomers Star Wars. Check it out. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. So that's my shout out <laughs> to them. Is it, is, it, is it relatively new or has it been around for a while? Um, that's a good question. I literally put on the latest episode and then just going back instead of starting at the beginning, like I usually do. So I don't know how far back it goes. Um, I I don't know. A lot of people don't like the the Apple version of their, their podcast um, app. That's the one that I just kind of use by default because it's convenient. I've heard a lot of people not like it for various reasons, like functionality reasons. But as soon as I subscribed to it, it started playing and I started listening. Um, yeah, I, I have no problem with it. That's where I get all my stuff. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, no, dude. I've tried to share podcasts with people by just sending them the thing from Apple and they're just like, don't send me this. I'm like, oh God, okay, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, I just I just use what's there on my phone because it's easiest for me. But um, awesome. yeah, it's really cool. Check it out. Cool. All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows and make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast or join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? 
Uh, I'm at username Ray Vargas three across all social media platforms. That's Ray Vargas. And then the number three, and that's where you'll find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my website, as well as rayvargas3.com. If you want to check out some of my artwork. Beautiful. All right. Well, I think this was, it was a longer show. I, we, we hit two hours, but you know, we haven't been around for, for seven <laughs> months. So I think it's okay. <laughs> Uh, enjoy the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs>